This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. You know, if you have any questions, comments, or inspirational stories, please write us a feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Also, if you have any announcements, please send them in to us. You know, you can find the scholarships guide. Don't forget at aviationcareerspodcast.com, click on scholarships. The Pay It Forward campaign is a campaign we put together to allow people to give to other people uh, that are looking to get the scholarships guide and uh, pay it forward. Uh, Don't forget that if you want to buy one, a scholarship guide for somebody else, just let us know and what the email address is. We'll send you an invoice uh, for one of the scholarship guides or as many as uh, they have in there. But don't forget to tell them to use the coupon coupon pay it forward all one word uh when they actually go to the website first because they might get a free one anyway in advance uh there's other people have been out there that have been paying it forward so it's been terrific so don't forget that's out there and scholarships are for everybody we're putting new ones in there all the time. Well, let's get on with the show today. We have a uh, special episode because of the fact that a lot of people have been asking me the same question over and over again, and that has to do with the restricted ATP, the restricted ATP, and, and what is this? Now, I did a little pre- presentation, and I've decided I'm going to take that presentation and turn it into a video, so I'll let you know when I have the video complete, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the restricted ATP. It's a short uh, discussion. It's only about a 7 to 10 minute uh, discussion about what it is and how it applies to you. So let's go into that, the whole restricted ATP. So the restricted ATP, you know, why why are we talking about this and, and why am I condensing it in this video that we're putting together? Uh, I really want to help you move towards your career goal and become an airline pilot. So that's what we're focusing on with this video. We want to focus on the minimum requirements to obtain a job with an airline. That's what we're trying to do is what the minimum requirements are to obtain a job with an airline. And remember, that's, that's what you want to do. So let's take a look at some of the different... Uh, parts of this. So we hear this, a lot of folks at work will ask me, what is this restricted ATP and what are the minimum requirements? Well, before we talk about the restricted ATP, one thing we have to talk about is what is an ATP? ATP, when people talk about that, is an airline transport pilot certificate. It allows you to fly as an airline pilot. You know, there's other privileges that go along with that, but uh, we're not going to go into that. Uh, And the reason being is I want to, I just want to have this discussion about how this applies to you, person that's going to the airlines. We can delve into, do a deep dive into the other uh, parts of the ATP later, uh, but I just want to focus on the airline transport pilot certificate and why you need it. So you need the airline transport pilot certificate, of course, to get hired with an airline. That's how it, it applies to you. So previously, the reason we're having this discussion is previously, you only needed a commercial pilot certificate only. You needed a commercial pilot certificate to get hired with an airline as a first officer. Well, things have changed, and now you need to have your ATP. But you can also now, because the FAA, when they came out with this new rule saying you have to have your ATP, decide, okay, uh, 1,500 hours, which is how many hours you need to get your ATP, uh, that may be quite restrictive. So what they did is they came up with something else, and we call it the restricted ATP, meaning there's a restriction on your license. You'll need your your air, full airline transport pilot certificate period with no restrictions to be a captain at any airline, a regional, no matter what, 
but we're talking about getting hired. We want to get you hired. So you need to get your restricted ATP as fast as you can. The other thing, too, remind, remember this. You get hired with a restricted ATP. You also will get your ATP while you're at the airline. So people always ask me that question. In the past, you would have your commercial pilot, you get hired by an airline, and then you go and you get your ATP when you upgrade to captain. Now what you do is you get those restrictions removed off your ATP and when you, while you're at the airline. Interestingly, before you had to actually get, have your – you did your written exam – because there's a written exam included in getting your airline transport pilot certificate, just like every other certificate. And you did that while you were at the airline. A good example is with me, I waited, gosh, I think it was oh, five years, four or five years before I actually did my written exam for the ATP to get it done. So now uh, you actually have to have the written done before you get hired. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So what exactly, let's go into that. Let's dive into what exactly is the restricted ATP. Again, it allows you to work as a first officer at an airline. The regional airlines, by the way, are assisting in obtaining a restricted ATP because of the shortage of qualified pilots. So let's talk about the minimum experience, the minimum experience you need to get these restricted ATP. And remember, we're only focusing on getting a job with an airline, so we're going to talk about the airplane multi-engine ATP minimum requirements. Airplane single engine, we're not going to talk about that because we're looking at getting a job with the airline. So what are the ATP minimum experience? It's simple. It's 1,500 hours total time. Okay, You need 500 hours of cross-country flight time. And by the way, I'm, I'm telling you this because this is what I want you to focus on getting either to get your ATP or to look at in the future to getting your ATP, even if you're just getting your restricted. So again, 1,500 total time, 500 hours cross-country. You're going to need 100 hours of night flight time, 50 hours of multi-engine flight time, and 75 hours of instrument flight time in actual or simulated conditions. There are some other conditions along with that, um, and we can, and there's some substitutions. I'm not going to go into this, but this is generally uh, what you need to have to get your ATP. Also, you need 250 hours as uh, flight time uh, as pilot and command. Pilot and command time in an airplane. Pilot and command. Uh, with that, in your 250 hours of pilot and command time, you're going to need 100 hours across country, also 25 hours of night flight time. And again, there's other substitutions for the flight time, but we're not going to go into that. That's not the scope here. To look that up, go to 61159. We're going to have a link to that. Actually, subpart G, which is all about the ATP. So this is a lot more complex than you think. So I just want, this is just the ATP minimums. Again, that's, it's really that simple. The other thing, too, there's an age requirement in the airline transport pilot, and it's 23 years old. And you also have to do some other things. You have to complete the certified training program for the airline transport pilot certificate. So those are requirements that you need. You have to be 23 and complete a certified training program. And then you'd have to pass a written exam and then pass a practical exam. Interestingly, the CTP for the, uh, they call it the CTP ATP, Certified Training Program, Airline Transport Pilot Certificate. You have to go to one of these courses to be able to pass the written exam. Uh, before, you used to just have to study for the written exam and take it. Now you have to go through a certified training program, uh, and it's pretty pretty intense in a simulator or in an aircraft. No one really does an aircraft. And then you have to pass a practical so those are the requirements for the ATP, 
All right. So those are the minimum requirements. Now, what they've done is they've come up with this re restricted ATP requirements. Let's go for the simple one first. This applies to a lot of people that are just getting started in the industry. Number one, they've dropped the age requirements uh, down to 21 years old. Well, I guess you could say they've raised it because before you still need your commercial license. Uh, it's now 21 years old to get a restricted ATP. If you meet all the other requirements and you're 21 years old, uh, 22 years old, then you can actually get what's called a restricted ATP. Once you uh, get to 23, you can have that restriction removed, and then you can fly as a captain and at an airline. Uh, you also, with the restricted ATP, same thing. You have to complete a certified training program uh, for the airline transport pilot certificate, pass a written exam. Uh, and by the way, with the demand for uh, pilots at the regional airlines, the regionals are paying for this, okay? So, And we're going to go into a discussion about that later. The regionals are paying for that. So if you're a student at a school and you're looking to get the certified training program done, just remember that the regional airlines are going to do that. They're going to actually pay for that. They're going to hire you, and then they're going to bring you on into training and have you go through that. Now, that could change uh, if the economy changes, et cetera, and there's a, there's a lot of people out there that are applying that, that are actually qualified. If we have more qualified pilots, then, yeah, that could change. Then they may not pay for that in the future. Hopefully that won't change. Hopefully it's going to stay the same. So as far as we talked about those requirements, there's the requirements and then the experience restrictions. As far as experience is concerned, if you're a military pilot and you have you need a minimum of 750 hours uh, for the restricted ATP. Uh, if you have uh, you went to uh, graduate, excuse me, with a bachelor's or have 60 semester credit hours uh, from an authorized higher institution, uh, authorized institution of higher education, it's a thousand hours. So it's 750 in the military, a thousand if you got your BS or 60 semester credit hours from an authorized institution of higher education. Those authorizations are done by the FA, and you can find those uh, on the website, the FA's website, or you can go ask the school. And uh, many of them are done through, um, you know, like online programs and stuff like that. The other thing, too, is to say you don't have the bachelor's, but you have an associate's and or uh, 30 semester credit hours from an authorized institution of higher education, it's 1250 So 1250 if you graduate with an associate's, uh, from an authorized institution of higher education or the 30 semester hours. Um, the other thing, too, is that, you know, otherwise you'd have to do the 1500, which a lot of people do. Uh, they may not graduate. They may actually finish up their rating and then go to school later and just get their 1500 hours. Uh, another thing that's also, as far as the experience is concerned, we talked about 750 for military, 1000 for the bachelor's, 1250 for those that graduated with uh, associates in aviation from an institution of higher education that's authorized by the FAA. The other thing, too, is 200 hours cross country flight time. Remember in the beginning, I said the experience requirements for the AT were 500. They've dropped that down to 200 hours of cross-country flight time. Um, and for those folks out there uh, that haven't gone through the programs or uh, that are authorized by the FAA, haven't gone to a college that, that has that program, but they have the total time. They say you have 1,500 hours. You meet all the experience requirements. You're 23 years old. Well, something else they've done is uh, they'll allow you to get your restricted ATP if you only have 200 hours of cross-country flight time. Remember, the restricted ATP is 200, so they're saying, hey, listen, how about those people that already have 1,500, meet all the requirements, we're going to allow you to get a restricted ATP if you only have 200 hours of cross-country flight time. Uh, so that those are, the, in a nutshell, I went through a lot of this quickly. I'm going to have a video on that because sometimes it's better just to have the numbers up in front of you. Uh, but simply, it's military 750 
uh, bachelor's at an authorized school, 1,000, associates, 1,250. Otherwise, you'll need 1,500 hours of experience and also 200 hours of cross-country to get that restricted ATP. I went over the, the ATP and the minimums you need there. There's many different substitutions. Again, I'm not going to go into that. I'm going to have you reference uh, part 61 subpart G. Uh, it goes through all the different requirements there. But just remember, they call it the 1,500-hour rule uh, for a reason, uh, is that you can actually fly with less than 1,500 hours, get your restricted ATP with an airline. Um, but one of the more important things, I'd like to give you some advice, though, on the restricted ATP. I want you to do this. First of all, no matter what, become a competent instrument pilot in a technically advanced aircraft. What does that mean? I want you to fly glass, and I want you to be competent in instruments. Uh, the biggest problem that we're having is uh, one and two. Uh, people can't fly IFR. And they also need to get used to the glass cockpit. And that's where a lot of the training failures are, is, uh, is due to those two things. One of the things that I think people don't realize is you can gain your hours, your 1,500 hours in any aircraft, right? You can go out, you can do tow gliders, you can do banner tow, you can do many pipeline patrol, et cetera, all VFR. That doesn't really translate that well to the airlines. Of course, the stick and rudder experience is very important with the airlines because you do need to <laughs> land the airplane. You're Obviously, you're flying on autopilot a lot of the times, but you're not flying an autopilot when you're landing the plane. Uh, and so you have to really think about that. And the stick and rudder skills also help because uh, you're thinking more towards keeping the aircraft smooth and flying it smoothly. That's something else you should always think about too. Also, another thing I want you to do, number one, become an instrument pilot. That's, that's competent. Uh, flying a technically advanced aircraft, a translation, get some glass experience. Uh, focus on completing the minimum requirements to obtain your restricted ATP. So focus your time on completing the minimum requirements to obtain your restricted ATP to get to the airlines. Of course, I also want you to focus on getting your ATP minimums, but the restricted ATP, because you have lower time, that's what I want you to do. Get higher with a regional airline and let them pay for the certified training program to sit for the ATP written. So you need to have that certified training program. So by getting these minimums and, and getting to that point where you can actually get hired, they're going to actually pay for that certified training program and make it a lot less expensive for you. And of course, if you have any questions on all these things that I talked about as far as uh, the minimums required, et cetera, do me a favor, write me feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. What I did is, this is a presentation I give. It's about half the amount of time I just spent with you talking about the restricted ATP and what it is. Uh, it really is simple, but it can be very complex once you start getting into substitutions. If you notice, I didn't even go into all the different things you can do to substitute for hours. That's actually spelled out in subpart G. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. But if you're focusing on what you need to do, I want you to focus on getting your restricted ATP so that you can move forward with your career. So another thing as far as uh, advice, uh, again, we talked about IFR. I want to talk a little bit towards the military pilots that are seeking the ATP because uh, a lot of you folks will have to go out and, uh, and get your ATP uh, and get your, excuse me, the, you can get the uh, certified training program done when you come out of the airlines. Uh, so uh, that's something that many of you have looked at. Say you have uh, the 1500 hours and you want to skip over the regionals. Uh, again, this is, I'm speaking towards those military pilots that aren't looking at going to the regionals first. If, if you're an airline 
uh, if you're a, a, somebody who's in the military and you have a minimal number of hours, uh, say the 750 or so, I, I want you to think about going to regional first, take a stop there and then move on. The majority of you do not, uh, that doesn't apply to this. Very few people I've, I've worked with that that applies to. Most of you have over the 1500 hours and you want to leap over the regionals, go right to the majors. And that makes sense. But uh, you definitely, in the, at that point though, you need to have your ATP, Airline Transport Pilot Certificate, your full ATP. So to do that, you're going to have to go and, and get the certified training program done. A little bit of advice here. This all It all depends on you, okay? Think about this. I know you can use your veteran benefits, but if you're thinking about it, you might want to save that for your family. Uh, so you, what I really highly recommend is talking to a counselor, a VA benefits counselor, and talk a little bit about you know whether I should take my benefits to f- to pay for the certified training program, or save them for later for some other training, etc. So if you're a military pilot, has all the requirements for the ATP, except the fact that you never have done the certified training program because this is obviously a civilian license and you need to get your ATP. I want you to start thinking about this. Uh, as far as paying for it before you get to that point. Put that in your mind. Uh, the other thing, too, is there is a lot of certified training programs out there. This certified training program has to be done uh, by an authorized school, and there's there's a whole list of those, too, even on the FAA website. There's And obviously, you can ask the schools if they're certified. My advice to you, no matter who you are, is when the school says they're certified, just go ahead and look it up. Uh, go to the FAA website. Make sure they are actually a certified program. Uh, and and believe me, they, they normally are, but I'm, there, there's a few people that, that may have lost that or, or whatever in, in time. You're talking about the one percenters out there. It's always good to, to double check uh, just to make sure they are certified. But certified training programs are out there, and there's lots of them. Uh, they're not too bad expense-wise, but uh, you can go out, get your, your type rating. Most of them will get you a type rating, say, in a, in a CRJ or uh, you can get your type rating at a 737 or an Airbus. Highly recommend doing that if you're going to actually pay for this or use your ven- veterans benefits to pay for this. Uh, get your 7.3 type or get your Airbus type rating. Um, both of those are wonderful for many reasons. When you have your type rating, you know, of course, you might be able to go overseas, do some flying. For the most part, though, those overseas flying jobs, uh, although if you remember me talking in the past, there was opportunities to actually fly as a first officer. Most of those are as pilot in command and as a captain, and most of them require you to have a 1,000 hours PIC in that type. So if you do get the 7.3 type, you may not be able to use it other than the fact that you, you'll get to go to an airline uh, because now you have the certified training program done and you've passed the written exam. Concerning the actual type rating and the type of aircraft, this question comes up quite often. And actually, I was just talking to one of my uh, coaching clients about this. What about the, f- the type of airplane? How is that going to look at my airline interview? It, so in other words, people would always say, well, if you got a 7.3 type, that means you want to go to Southwest because you have to have a 7.3 type before you go there. That's not, that's not true anymore. You know, you can get a, a type in whatever you want to get a type in. Uh, it can be a 7.3, it can be an Airbus, it can be a CRJ, etc. The only advice I would have is this, and, and believe me, this is not set in the stone, but if you are looking to go to an operator, 
that actually has an Airbus, say. Say you want to go to an Airbus operator. Then, yeah, it might be a good idea to get your type rating in an Airbus because many times, this is kind of interesting, many times the guys that are doing the instruction, the gals that are doing the instruction are actually pilots for that airline maybe that you want to go work for. I know for a fact, I'm not going to name out these. I'm kind of reticent to talk about the the different training programs and the different schools out there, uh, but I do know a lot of them, and I know some of the guys that are instructors there and uh, some of the gals that are instructors there. They um, they actually, if you get ha, get a, have a good relationship with them, they may actually walk your resume in the door at the airline you want to go to. So sometimes a little bit of intel there is good. Um, like I said, I'm kind of reticent to talk about that right now on the podcast because uh, a lot of these schools, uh, I know of one that's switched now. They're doing both 7.3 and, and Airbus type ratings. So, um, you know, just think about that. If it's the place you want to go, say it's the, uh, the Southwest Airlines and they have 7.30s only. Go get the 7.3 type rating. Uh, if it's the uh, airlines that have just an Airbus, uh, like a Frontier, you'll get your Airbus type rating, etc. Just think about that. Uh, if the airline has a mix, then you know, go ahead and get either one. Uh, but uh, both the 7.3 and the Airbus are great type ratings to get. So those are the certified training programs I'm talking about for you, that especially the military pilots. If you're someone that uh, is not a military pilot, you have a lot of hours, and you meet the ATP requirements, and you want to switch over to the majors, uh, this happens. Uh, look at the folks that are corporate pilots that have lots of hours and decide you know what, I think I want to switch over to being uh, a major airline pilot, then go ahead, get yourself your certified training uh, done, get your written exam done, and and move on to the majors. So uh, one of the, again, one of the ways, and I'm sure you're going to get some comments here, one of the ways you can skip the regionals is go to a corporate job. Mostly that's not true. Most people won't do that because the corporate jobs out there, the corporate flying, you get a lot less hours. Usually most people go, go the other way. They stop at a regional first, get a bunch of hours, then go to the corporate world. And the, and one of the reasons there is a lot of the jobs that are the bigger airplanes and that are better, better jobs many times have higher time requirements. And the best place right now to get a lot of time flying in a jet is at the regionals. I mean, you're going to fly a whole bunch, that's for sure. Hopefully that's been helpful. I know there's been a lot of information here. There's, uh, like I said, the the eight, the restricted ATP. I'm asked to explain this all the time. I just want you to remember this, to boil it down, make it a little bit simple. There's a couple things. You need the 1,500 hours for your ATP, and you need all these different experience requirements. The experience requirements for the restricted ATP, though, which allows you to fly for an airline, are fairly basic. If you're from the military, 750, a bachelor's program, a thousand, associates, 1250. Otherwise, it's 1500 hours. And also, as far as the experience requirements, say you have all those 1500 hours, then and you only have 200 cross country, then you can get that. The other one again is the age requirements. So the other sections, the the experience, and then the age. You can be 21 now and fly for an airline with your restricted ATP. Once you turn 23, now you're an airline transport pilot. I really hope that helps. Uh, there's That kind of boils it down in a nutshell, but there's so much more to this. Uh, so there's a lot of formulas as far as uh, substituting landings sub, or substituting nighttime 
it's with landings, etc. That's oil all boiled down uh, within that rule. And also, if you're somebody who has a, a single engine ATP, uh, there's other things you, you can think about. I mean, this is again, this discussion is not for those folks that want to go out and get their helicopter ATP or want to get their single engine ATP. Uh, it, this is for those people that are looking at their multi-engine land ATP. So that's what I'm I'm talking about right here. So anyway, hopefully that's that's helpful. I got a link to the Part 61 subpart G, which talks about airline transport pilots. Uh, just get your hours as quick as you can and get to the airlines. Um, Let's see if I have enough time, which I'm not so sure I do. Uh, I could probably do maybe a couple of questions here, and uh, yeah, why not? Let's let's go ahead and do a, a couple of uh, questions. Uh, and as far as from you, the listeners, don't forget feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com, and uh, we'll answer it right here on the show. By the way, I'm um, before I answer some of these questions, I actually am uh, just a little inside baseball again. I like you to know about the experience of flying for the airlines. I was able to actually get um, a trip this weekend. I have to go up to New Jersey to take care of some business. As you know, a lot of people know I'm from outside of Newark, New Jersey, and I needed to go do something there. Well, I had a trip that I didn't want, found a trip that had an overnight in Newark, and I traded for that trip. You can actually trade trips at the airlines, which is a really cool thing about being an airline pilot. I can trade things around and get sometimes a, a trip that I want. So now the airline is paying me to go fly up there for an overnight. I got a little business to do on the overnight. And then I finished my trip the next day. So I traded a two-day for another two-day and had an overnight in Newark. So now I get to go get paid, go see family, get business done, and uh, and also get to fly. It's, it's a win-win situation. Anyway, I hope that I, that sharing that will, will help you kind of make a decision as to the, the possibilities to become an airline pilot. Again, I always talk about going places that are fun and, and going out and exploring. Like I went to, had a Minneapolis overnight. I really like to go to the Mill City Museum and that was really exciting. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to start sharing on my Instagram account a little bit more of some of the pictures on my overnights and maybe pictures of airplanes, etc. cetera. Um, by the way, people ask me why I don't have pictures of airplanes as much uh, at work. They're kind of restrictive as far as what we can do as far as taking pictures. So uh, usually I do the pictures on the overnight. And anyway, I like to do a lot of GA pictures anyway, general aviation. Moving on to one of these questions, um, says, hi, I just downloaded your show for the first time. I've never listened to podcasts before, but I downloaded episode 214, uh, March 13th. As you probably tell by my email address, I'm an active duty military and I've been searching for some time on how to get from where I am to an airline. I currently have my instrument rating, and as soon as I get back to Hawaii, my wife has already paid for me to get my seaplane rating. I'm super excited about that. And I'm super excited for you, too. That's really cool, by the way. But... Uh, as for, like you said, in the podcast, is the cost of getting to the hours to the regional. Do you know of any scholarships for military personnel that are not military pilots? Uh, everything I seem to find is for the RTP programs uh, for helo pilots, RTP meaning uh, rotor transition programs. Uh, if there's no program for that, have you ever thought of adding one? I'd love to be the first to take part in it. Please feel free to email me back anytime. Thanks for the question. By the way, there are scholarships. Those scholarships that are for everybody, uh, not just military pilots, are what you can apply for uh, to move forward. There are some specific scholarships. There's other programs that are available through vocational rehab, through uh, other types of programs as far as the VA benefits are concerned. You can use those for certain scholastic programs and other ones that are associated with a, a university. But remember this, when you're looking at scholarships, 
don't just look at it from a, a military perspective and from a veteran's perspective. Remember to apply for all of them. Don't just, you know, don't just look at just your military benefits. Look at all the benefits. Money's money. Take it from anywhere you can uh, to move forward uh, with your career. There's other things, too, that are out there. Uh, and there's other programs uh, that are out there and that are really terrific. And we talked about that in past episodes. Uh, and uh, it go, going from a military to pilot to uh, or military to a pilot, it's really cool. Department of Defense just started a new program. So kind of taking a look at some of those. And, and maybe you will actually qualify for something. You never know. Uh, anyway, hope that, hope that's helped somewhat. Um, let's go on to one more question, then we'll, we'll finish up there. It says, hi, my teenage daughter has been interested in flying for the military, either Coast Guard, Air Force, Search and Rescue, in fixed wing, uh, C-130. She recently found out that due to a food allergy, she may not be able to serve in the military. She is very disappointed and lost as to what she can do now. I wonder if you might have advice for this track or alternatives where she could get experience this type of service. Search and Rescue, by the way, is done by many different organizations. Uh, if you want to get involved in that, there's always, from a civilian side, uh, Civil Air Patrol is one uh, to get that kind of a, that feel for the military. Uh, you can also look at, and, and don't be discouraged, there's other ways to, to go about the programs as far as flying, obviously in the Air Force uh, or in the military in general. Flying, uh, it's great because while you're actually training, while you're working, you're getting paid as opposed to you paying to get your ratings when you're not in the military and I get it. Uh, but, but don't be discouraged. There's a lot of us, myself included, that couldn't make it into the military because of a physical, uh, issue. And so, Hey, you know, there's just do it as a, as a civilian and move forward there. There's many other jobs in the military, uh, and things that you can do and get your benefits so you can fly later. It does require some service. So, uh, if this is something that she wants to do is, is serve the country, then yes, you can do that. Why, and use your VA benefits to go out and get your ratings. I see lots of people doing that. Uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of people have a full career with the military and then move on to flying airplanes. But if you're you just want to if you want to fly airplanes, do search and rescue, etc. There's organizations out there that do that. There's organizations that do fire, uh, that do search and rescue, that uh, do patrol. There's a lot of things you can get involved with. Um, there's Coast Guard auxiliaries, etc. There, but that's all mainly on a civilian basis. Uh, so that's the kind of thing you have to talk over is where do you want to go in your direction? You want to go more military or you just want to strictly fly? Uh, so that's something that, again, you have to have that discussion. And this is something that we do specifically like through the, the coaching services that we have. Anyway, thanks for those questions. And I hope you enjoy this discussion about the restricted ATP and what you need to do. Again, the two major points about the restricted ATP, it's either age-related, uh, you're not 23 yet, but at 21 years old, you have all the requirements you can get the restricted ATP. Or say you don't have the total uh, cross-country time that you need. You can get the restricted ATP with 200 hours. Or say you don't have the total time and you're military. It's only 750. If you have your bachelor's, it's 1,000. If it's associates, it's 1,250. Those are the basics. And just think about that. I'll go over this again. I'll try to get that video out there as soon as I can. I'm going on a trip right now. So uh, hopefully I'll get that out there on the YouTube channel. Guys, I really appreciate your listening today. And don't forget, if you're doing something today to move forward in your career, you're doing something good. I mean, really, I want you to do that. I want you to take time, figure out what it is that I can do right now after I turn this off to move forward in my career. But do it now. Do it today. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. 
You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.